Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on Two Adoptive Mamas. We are really excited to have um, a short mini series, uh, one now and one the following week, um, with Abby Kaiser, um, who works at a local post, actually, they do a lot more than post-permanency support. um, And I'm going to allow her to share (laughs) what it is that she does um, in their family life education program. But we are thrilled to have Abby here. And we're going to talk about um, a couple different things that I think really matter to us um, after our kiddos are in the home. So Abby, welcome. Thank you very much, Liz and Sarah. It's great to be with you today. Thank you. Um, I, yeah, so I kind of started already, but I'm just going to let you explain your role as the director of family life education. And I'm not even sure if I said it on all the right order. Is it that right? Family life education. Director of family life services. So my services. role is oh. family services is I oversee three departments. So those three departments are our counseling department, our resource home unit, which oversees all of our resource parents that take care of the foster children in our care at Kobe's. And then also our family life education department. Um, And so um, specifically, I think you asked me to talk about um, the family education department. um, And I will just, you know, give you a little brief overview, which honestly, you can stop me at any time because it's hard for me to be brief about this because I get so excited about all the work that we're doing um, in our local area. But the Family Life Education Department provides evidence-based programming in our particular county and other counties now. We are now expanding out from Lancaster County to also Schuylkill County and Berks County. Um, And so what we are doing is just really um, providing evidence-based program to come into the county to help parents understand um, how to parent their children better. And then also some of our programming is also for adolescents as well as for um, those that have gone through any type of trauma um, and or um, substance or um, substance abuse. So we have many different curriculums that we offer and we're very excited about that. That's amazing, Abby. I'm always so impressed and thankful for all the services that Kobe's is providing and there's so many intricacies and different family needs um, that come along with that. So really need to, to hear a little bit more about it. Um, we something that we our listeners have become familiar with this and that we've kind of been focusing on this season are shadow feelings of foster care and adoption. Um, and so whether it's in your role or um or more personally, can you share with us maybe a shadow feeling you've recently worked through and kind of where you've seen hope in this shadow feeling? This is a common theme throughout our season. Yeah, sure. I mean, I love that. I love that theme. And I love that um, those words together, shadow feeling, because I think so many times much many of our feelings that we have internally are shadows that follow us. And we can always see the shadows behind us. Um, We want to say things, but we don't know how to say it. And so I really appreciate you giving me opportunity to talk about this. Um, One of the shadow feelings, I, I too, was a foster parent. 
uh, with an adolescent. Um, and um, we had that, that particular child from the age of 14 until she was a junior in college. And so one of the shadow feelings I'll just share personally is um, I, I really felt like I was, I was a failure if her behaviors were not according to what I thought they should be. And so, and I think many of our parents feel that way um, and feel like they might be failures and they wanna talk about it. Um, and instead of talking about it, they expect more perfection from the foster child, which then um, actually separates that relationship even more. Um, and so that shadow feeling um, and not talking about those shadow feelings can really distract us from what we really are needing to do. And our main job as a foster parent is to heal and to help those children heal. And that just distracts us from doing that. Um, and so that's just one personal piece that um, I, I, you know, I'll disclose. I think some of the things that I've heard, even working with some resource home parents in the past is I just don't like the child right now. I'm just don't like the child. Um, and you know, there's that, there's a difference between loving someone and liking someone. We can still love through something we dislike. Um, and so I do think that that is something that um, I hear often and how do we deal with that feeling? And I do think that is a pretty prominent shadow feeling of foster parents. Abby, I think what you shared um, will reach a lot of our listeners or uh, hit home for a lot of our listeners, especially those who are um, parenting a teenager right now, whether that is um, through adoption um, or through foster care um, and they are placed in their home temporarily um, during those teen years. So I currently do not parent a teen, um, but I know that my as as a teen, I was tough to parent and I know that it is tough to parent teens. So when I even mention that phrase, what's the first thing that comes to your mind um, that you can encourage an adoptive or a foster parent who currently has a teen or maybe multiple teens in the home? I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is do not give up hope. Like just, just go with hope because these children will grow up, right? And your job is to help them really get to a place where they can um, live life fully and purposefully um, um, for themselves and for people around them. And so as you continue to build that relationship with them, you will continue to provide hope for them. Um, and I, I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind. The second thing, I'm going to do two things. The second thing is don't stop listening. Be a, a generous listener. Um, teenagers don't give you a lot. And so when they give it to you, it doesn't matter if it's two in the morning, three in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, or even 10 at night, allow that time and allow yourself to be available. Um, just don't stop listening um, because those little nuggets, it might be one or two sentences, could be the conversations that could actually just shift things for them um, and shift the, um, the, the relationship that you have with them, um, even if it's for a, a season. Um, I, and again, don't give up hope and listen generously. I love that, Abby. I love leading with hope and listen generously. Those are easy to remember too. I see some graphics in our future here, Liz, <laughs> as some reminders to our listeners. Um, so for those listening to this podcast, they're very familiar and we've talked a lot about the impact of trauma on the brain before. And so we know it exists. We know that it's not linear. And we also know that 
while it impacts the grand scheme of things, it truly also impacts the day-to-day. So what steps or action items would you share with listeners, with parents, to kind of help their teen know that trauma is in their picture? And let's take it first at the 30,000-foot level. What are two strategies to kind of help a teen work through their trauma? Yeah, I think, you know, again, just what I said earlier was being able to listen generously. Um, There's going to be moments where they might give you a little glimpse or a little picture of what occurred um, in their life. And um, it's at it's at that moment where you can ask specific questions to help them keep talking about the trauma maybe that they went through. Um, I know with um, our foster daughter, um, she had to prepare a victim impact statement every year. And so, you know, we didn't just say to her, go and prepare it, you know, what do you wanna say this year? We actually sat down with her and tried to help her walk through that and process through that. So that was something on a yearly basis. Um, And again, there wasn't a lot of times in between that 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 she would share things with us. But on a yearly basis, we were taking advantage of that particular piece. And so wherever you're able to take advantage of one nugget that they are giving to you, then I would say take advantage of it. So that's from like a 30,000, a 30,000 foot level. Um, and a strategy that you can think about when it comes to, okay, we know that this occurred, um, but what can, what can we do to help them talk about, about these particular issues? The next thing is really modeling yourself talking about feelings. Um, and I do think that so many times we as adults hold our feelings in, um, and I'm not saying be inappropriate with sharing, you know, very personal things and that kind of, I'm not talking about that, but being able to model, I feel upset right now. I feel frustrated. I feel angry. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, and being able to model that you sometimes have a hard time figuring out what's going on so that they are seeing that and, and recognizing that I that even as an adult, we don't always understand what's going on, just like maybe they don't know what's going on underneath. And so I think the model and helping them learn how to talk about feelings Um, I think is another big strategy that could be really effective um, for your adoptive kiddos. Um, I love that. I also think that it doesn't necessarily apply just to teenagers, although how it plays out maybe is um, different for teenagers. But those things that you shared are things that I would find myself doing now in the elementary years or even younger yes. when we're even just learning like what yes. are what are feelings <laughs> um, right and that's that socio-emotional sk- those skills that you know we want to teach our kiddos from early on but many times with um adoptive and foster kiddos um you take their chronological age and you split it in half until they are able to really start healing and so that might be a really hard concept for them um mm-hmm. and so we need to think about it from that perspective and really continue to keep um, practicing those socio-emotional skills on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I know this um, is going a little off book, but because of something that you just shared, um, it made me think uh, just about how you phrase the chronological age and then kind of splitting that in half and like kind of meeting the kid where they are. Um, and I think that we, you know, like I've heard that before or that's that's how I've been taught and trained as a resource parent, as an adoptive parent, when I'm like on the ground, it is really tough to balance um, because there are so many ways and components of how they've seen hard things in the world that no kid should have had to go through. Um, 
or they're just interacting with their chronological age peers at school. And then we have like this nuance of trauma. So can you talk to us a little bit about how um, as parents, we can uh, parent that (laughs) balance, if that makes sense? Because I mean, that that can be some things that make a general Wednesday, like really tough. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're completely right. It can make it really hard. And, you know, if I were to give you any um, type of strategy is being very purposeful about it in your thinking um, and making sure that you're continuing to think that way. So let's just say you're in a store and they're having a, a mini meltdown because they want the sweater that they like, but it's not in their size. Um, and so again, many times split that split that age in half. What would you do? Um, you might want to um, just say, hey, let's take a break and we're going to come back. And maybe we can talk to a salesperson later when we come back in and see if maybe there might be something in the back. But let's just take a break and walk around a little bit to kind of calm all of those, um, sim- those systems down, um, per se, that are going on that are maybe being accelerated at that moment. Um, and again, being purposeful in your mind as an adult, as a parent, as a caregiver, that you're saying, okay, I need to just take a step back and I need to be able to accept this child where that child's at right now. Um, and we will just find a solution together. And even saying those words out loud, we're going to find a solution together. I'm here with you. I am not leaving. I'm right here beside you. We'll find a solution to this. Hmm. I love that example. And it really reaffirms so many times we've heard of that, the, that relational affirmation and just encouragement. I am here. I am not leaving. There's nothing you can do that will make me leave. And, um, and that's, it's a great reminder, Abby. So we hear a lot about structure and nurture, which kind of uh, correlates with what we were just talking about. And so share with us more about what this balance practically looks like in a home with a teenager. Okay, so I think we probably just need to define structure and nurture first. And so when I think of um, nurture, I am thinking of um, allowing that child to have a voice, giving that child voice. Um, And then also being approachable. We as an adult need to be approachable and we need to give praise often. And we also need to share power with that child Um, and really helping that child understand that they too are in this relationship and we can make um, negotiations and share power. So this is the nurture part of what I think we need to really focus in on. And then when we think about structure, we're thinking about those correcting tools, right? Um, thinking about that we're giving lots of positive before we give negative and that um, it is it we look at playful engagement and we look at opportunities for a child to do redos um, if they make a mistake oh you know what let's try that again um, and we're going would you like a redo and give them giving them the option of redoing it and really reinforcing that into their brain muscles. And then we look at the ideal response. So an ideal response would be that you're you're doing a response immediate, you're having good eye contact and prox- proximity, that's the D, which is the direct, um, efficient, you're being very efficient with your response, you're being action-based where you're really deciding how to deal with the response and maybe a redo would be a, a good piece of, in that particular part of ideal. And then the L would be leveled where we're, you're really looking at leveling the correcting to the behavior, not to the child. And that's a really important piece that you're leveling the behavior to um, the, 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 to the behavior and not to the child. 
And so if we think about structure versus nurture and how do we really combine those two, it's really looking at how do I keep that nurture really um, doing more nurture than structure? <laughs> because the nurture is about the relationship. All right, I'll say that again. The nurture is about the relationship. And I'll say it one more time. The nurture is about the relationship. You can't do any structure until the relationship is gained. You just can't. Um, and so, yes, there needs to be structure, but the child needs to know that they have a relationship with you and that you're working on that relationship. So I would say as far as balancing those things out, it's really not going to be balanced, um, Sarah, but rather it's going to be you're going to have more nurture and less structure because the relationship will take care of itself and the structure will be less needed because the relationship is taken care of themselves, of taking care of itself. Mm. We've talked a lot about on the podcast, um, at least this was in the early seasons, Sarah, about like living life on the tilt, how like things are not balanced. And this seems like a good application of that where we aren't necessarily living on this perfectly balanced boat, <laughs> but there are different things that we have to change um, because it's not perfectly balanced. And one of those is kind of tilting the nurture way up. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Liz. So, Abby, if our teens are uninterested in all of this, <laughs> maybe they are coming to our homes and there's been a lot of hard and a lot of broken and they're just really not interested in having a relationship with us. Um, but we know like uh, we know that it's important for them to have a relationship because that's how they grow and that's how healing can happen and where healing and restoration can happen. Um, so I know there's a bunch of different ways that we could go with this. And I'm just trying to think about how as parents, we can kind of keep persevering, going back to that first thing that you said, like, don't give up hope. Um, when our teens are uninterested, how can we kind of keep going with that, with those positive relationship builders, those positive social and emotional interactions that's going to help them grow and mature? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and I think that so many times when that, that happens in a relationship with children and parents is we start to get very fearful, uh, we get anxious, we start to um, panic inside. And I would say that one of the things as a, you know, a, a parent is not to panic, to recognize that this is typical within development. Uh, whether a child has been through trauma or not. And so if you think about a child that has been through trauma, it's going to be even more difficult, but not to panic. Um, and to continue with what I would call persistent skills, um, that that is what we have learned in our own socio-emotional um, development that we have to put into place continually as a parent and, and just continue to be persistent at just nudging at the relationship. Um, it's going to be really hard. The other piece of it for parents is going to be a really good support system for them. Because, you know, when you're in those very hard moments of relationship with your children and they're not wanting a relationship, you're going to need extra support systems back in you. You will. You'll need it. You'll need someone that you can go and cry with. You'll need someone that you're going to be able to vent with. Um, and that is going to be a really important piece for you. So whether that is someone in the community, someone from your church, your faith, um, it, find those individuals that are going to have your back um, and they're going to be those support systems um, that will help you 
exactly what you said, Liz, what, and, and reiterate what, of what I said earlier of not to give up hope um, because those support systems are going to really keep pushing you to what really honestly Christ wants us to be. Um, and that is to be in relationship um, no matter what <laughs> um, when it comes to these relationships of, of these children in our home. I love that. And let's take it a step further. So how can we parent out of faith and not fear when it comes to loving and parenting our teenagers? Yeah. And really, this is really on the parent, you guys. It's really on you and me as parents. Um, We can only trust God when we know him. And so when we um, are understanding the character of God and we know him well, this is what decreases fear, right? So as we understand the character of God, we decrease that, that own fear. Um, and as, um, as he modeled, we must constantly build relationships with our kids. Relationship is everything. And this will allow us to be able to empower that child to have their voice. And then um, if we need to, an ability to be able to correct with love. But we have to understand who God is and we have to understand the character of God to decrease that, that the, our own fears and our own anxieties. And that's on us, that taking that time, taking that effort to be in his word each and every day and to be praying and asking for the strength and the wisdom that we need from him each day. Abby, those are powerful words. They are much needed reminders. And I think it also kind of sets us in our place um, where we stand, where our child stands and where we need to trust and let God do his thing. Um, But then, you know, it's kind of that three pronged approach. And so um, the, yeah, I, I just, I love that you said that part is on us. Um, and I just love the relational, uh, emphasis that you've put on how to approach things with our teenagers. So this has been really great. I think that you have given our listeners lots to think about, and it will be really exciting to take an even, even deeper dive in our next conversation together. So thank you for joining us, Abby. And for all of our listeners, remember you've got this mama. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or know someone who could benefit from our show, the best thing to do is leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're grateful to be hosting the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast for a fourth season. Learn more about how you can support our ongoing work through our Patreon at twoadoptivemamas.com. As always, it's been fun. Until we meet again, remember, you've got this, mama. Mama.